Hello, Horror Fanatics! I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh! The Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check out our back catalog at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Yeah. Here we out. are. Yeah. Feeling good. I can I can move and, and You can breathe. move and breathe. I am not throwing up. I don't nice. have a fever. No. I feel great. Oh, you better knock on wood or something. No, no, I think I'm I'm past it all. Okay, all right. I think so. Okay. I. Uh, it's a bold statement, Cotton. I think Thanksgiving dinner. Did it? Was a whole turn. Turn around. Yeah, where yeah. I could just eat what I wanted. <laughs> the only thing I went light on was the cranberry because of the acidity. Yeah. But other than that, I was wheels up. <laughs> yes. Yes, you were. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Episode 50. I know. We're two away from one year. Mm-hmm. Woo! We are. And we're doing uh, Shadow Men today. We are. Yeah. Yes. I, um, I'll, I'll start off quick with my source. Okay. I ended up getting a, uh, a book called uh, A Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People. Yes. By Mike Ricksecker. I have the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits by our favorite person, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Oh, yeah. And a um, an article from liveabout.com called Contact with a Shadow Man yep. by Stephen Wagner. So there's shadow men, shadow man, shadow, shadow people. Yep, and shadow figure. Shadow figure, shadow humanoid. Uh, yeah. All of that. Uh, Turns out, just pick a word and put shadow in front of it. Well, yeah, because there's two kind of distinct things. I learned a lot on this. Did you? Well, because here's the thing. I don't think I've seen a, a, a shadow man or shadow man or shadow figure. I don't think I have. Okay. I've had the corner of my eye type thing. Mm-hmm. And that I don't really give much credit to. Especially after reading a lot of the stories and like where people just like, oh, is that something in the corner of my eye? Oh, no, it's not. It's right there. Yeah. I thought it was really cool that we were going to do this as an episode. And we talked about this like when we were starting the podcast yeah. that we wanted to do this one. Yeah. And I'm glad we waited a bit because I don't think I would have had the energy to like dedicate to a book mm-hmm. where now I'm cranking through like three, four books a week. Right. Um, so my, my reading shape is up, mm-hmm. but like reading this book here, I'd love if you're into shadow men and this type of topic, I really highly recommend a walk in the shadows, a complete guide to shadow people by Mike Ricksecker. He comes right off at the front with saying that basically keep in mind, everything we think we know about shadow people is pure, purely theoretical. Correct. There's no hard science around it. There's no, it's just. The one thing it has in common is a lot of people seem to have it in common. 
Right. And that's basically the evidence that everybody's running off of. Right. And I think that's really cool that we're doing this as a topic because I imagine there's someone listening or someone that will listen and can really strike a chord with this, has an actual instance of it happening. Right. What I really hope is, is that they will reach out to us at our email address at OTH at SeriouslyDecent.com because we would like to tell these stories. Yes. Um, yes. You know, type it out either in a summary fashion, something quick or whatever you feel comfortable with. But Well, buckle up because I got a couple stories to share. Yeah, I, I read a few uh, stories and they're pretty much all in the same. Mm-hmm. I figured we'd highlight on yours and mm-hmm. I'll adjoint, you know, kind of go right. around. Okay. But I wanted to just kind of overview first that there's many, as we were talking about earlier, many different types yes. of shadow figures. Yeah. The most Rosemary popular one it too. was the humanoid figure. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, just looks, has like a human type shape. Right. Uh, there's the hat man. Yes. What people will call. And that's usually the most feared type of shadow person they claim. And then there's, uh, which is probably the the scariest of what they talk about, is the crawler. And the crawler is something like on all fours that yeah. crawls around. Uh, the hat man is generally, again, wears a hat. Most put it with like a fedora or mm-hmm. top hat or a wide brim piece. Somehow, uh, some have also talked about wearing an archer style hat. That would be seen out of Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. That was discussed as well. Uh, there's the colored eyed shadow people, the ones with red eyes, mm-hmm. and they're considered more nefarious in nature. And there's the hooded figure, uh, another one that's menacing right. that they talk about. Not to be confused with the Grim Reaper. Totally different. Different dude. Dude. And then lastly is the Black Mist of just basically the cloud of black smoke that will come from like a window or a mm-hmm. doorway and just be in the air mm-hmm. and and appear and and disappear in the same fashion doesn't really take some sort of figure I've seen the mist the form and a walking dude but it didn't have he didn't have any type of hat So when was the first time you saw a shadow person that you can remember. After we did Demons and Demonology. Really? That yeah. was the first time? Yeah. While we were doing it or after? After. Okay. Was it in the house or outside? In the house. It became very prevalent after we did the Satan episode. Okay. That's when I saw... I'll get into it. Okay. I'll well, get into it. I saved I saved my, my stories, stories for last. Okay. Okay. So, I'm going to start with Rosemary's. Uh, she broke it out as shadow people are dark figures associated with nighttime visitations in some haunted places. They appear as solid black figures who are darker than the darkness. Most appear male. Some wear coats and hats. Usually six and a half feet tall. They have substance and form. They can interrupt light and black objects from view. They rarely communicate, but many seem intensely interested in human beings. And then she broke them out into several categories. The bedroom watchers. 
They're discovered standing by a bedside or in a corner of a room when a person awakens in the night. They seem to stare at people in bed, even though they have no visible eyes or facial features. Most do not behave threateningly, though their presence is often terrifying. They can remain for long periods of time when observed, disappear suddenly, or melt through the walls and ceilings. Some act aggressively toward people, causing choking sensations similar to the old hag. Yeah. Which I think we should do an episode mm-hmm. on her in the future. Yeah. Then there's the shadows on walls, and these figures appear suddenly as dark human outlines on walls, which detach from walls and move about rooms. So that's not terrifying at all. <laughs> Moving shadows, and these figures appear abruptly, move quickly through a room as though on a mission. They come through walls and melt into walls. They may seem to pay no attention to people, the people present in the room, or else they watch them intensely. So they either ignore them or they're like, hey. Yeah, yeah. They may be seen out of the corner of the eyes or in full view. Background visitors in these figures usually are not seen, but are captured in photographs. They appear in backgrounds, their forms noticeable on walls, doors, etc. Haunting presences and these figures appear in places known or thought to be haunted. They move about, act with intelligence, and appear and disappear suddenly. They may follow people, and in some cases, shadow people are associated with bad luck. There may not be a single explanation for shadow people. They are not likely to be ghosts. Dark, ghostly figures often found in haunted locations are more shadow figures than shadow people. That was also in the book I was reading. He made a real strong point that like ghosts seem to have like more of a translucent yeah. state yeah, where no, like a is... shadow figure is an actual... It's dense. It's a dense physical yeah. entity. As and someone it who proves, has seen both. <laughs> well, no, but it, he was saying it proves much too where if you were to see one, you could move a flashlight across and like with a ghost, the the flashlight will go through. Yeah. Where the flashlight will, it'll basically just stop at yeah. this yeah. dark shadow right. figure. Well, as someone who has seen both mm-hmm. can confirm. Yeah. However, as noted above, shadow people are found in haunted locations too, including wooded areas where they are known in folklore as watchers. Shadow people share characteristics with the old hag nightmare terror, and some experiencers feel paralyzed, suffocated, or choked. However, shadow people cannot be equated with the old hag syndrome. Yeah. So they are not one and the same. Nope. An explanation favored by some researchers is shadow people are interdimensional beings. Mm-hmm. They find ways into the physical world and seem to have purpose, whether known or unknown, and they tend to observe humans. They may show up as bedroom visitors because the nature of human sleeping or dreaming consciousness enable them entry. Their appearance may be a form they deliberately assume, or it may be the only way they can manifest into the physical realm. Many experiencers feel shadow people are a type of nasty spirit, even a demon, because mm-hmm. they sense evil or trickery radiating from them. Almost all experiencers are deeply frightened of shadow people, can confirm, even though they are not harmed by them, can also confirm. 
Shadow people are sometimes associated with turbulent emotions. For example, many people who have had significant shadow people experiences can link them to states of emotional upheaval, such as anger, sadness, loneliness, etc. Yeah. Other people may be physically open in such a way as to perceive shadow people more easily than others. Some haunted places where shadow people are prevalent, such as the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, definitely want to go there and do an episode on it, where thousands of people have died and they may be permeated with thought forms of negative emotions, which kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then the contact with a shadow man article. Now this one, ha, two sources get a load of this. Shadow person is a humanoid figure that you perceive in a patch of shadow. Some believe that they are supernatural spirits or extra dimensional beings. Okay. Then he lists three types of encounters with shadow people. Most encounters with shadow people, it's the smoky person-shaped entities that move around in the dark and you get fleeting glimpses. They are seen out of the corner of the eye, swiftly passing across a wall or ducking around a corner. You may wonder if the rational explanation for these quick quick glimpses are that they are imagined or just ordinary shadows of some kind. Maybe they're real, maybe they're not. Another kind of shadow person encounter, a close encounter of the second kind, to borrow J. Allen Hynek's UFO classification system, is rarer and more compelling. The witness sees the shadow entity for an extended period, not merely a passing glance. It could be for a half a minute, a few minutes, or even more. The witness can often also detect human-like movement, the raising of an arm, the turn of a head, or walking. The witness gets a pretty good look at the thing and is able to describe it in some detail. Very often, these detailed descriptions compel the witness to ascribe an, inte- an intelligence to the specter. It's not just a shadow. It seems to be an entity that moves and even reacts with purpose. A shadow person encounter of the third kind is rarer still. This is contact. In this case, the witness actually is touched or is otherwise affected physically by the entity. So then he gets into the nature of shadow beings and the perceptions of shadow men often occur when you awake impartially and are in the stage of REM sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. You are semi-conscious, but your vivid dreams from REM sleep continue and you can experience hallucinations, including that there is an intruder in your bedroom. During this phase, you are unable to move or speak, but your senses seem to be clear. Neuroscientists say at least 20% of the population experiences these sleep paralysis episodes. Researchers have reproduced these feelings by stimulating a site in the brain's left hemisphere. When you are fully awake but hypervigilant, such as when walking alone at night, you might become fearful of any shadowy movement and imagine a threat. Heidi Hollis wrote a book on shadow people, The Secret War, The Heavens Speak of the Battle, and appeared often on Art Bell's Coast to Coast AM radio show to discuss this topic. She believes they are aliens and gives advice on warding them off. Shadow people have been the topic of horror movies and were also in a 1985 Twilight Zone episode. So let's get to their encounter. Well, brief pause. Okay. 
I think it's also worth noting that in history, this has gone back a long time. They might have called them different names. Right. They might have called them different things. But even like hieroglyphs in Egypt have Depicted these, them. yeah, these depictions of like shadow figures. Mm-hmm. And it's on the Mayan end. It's mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. um, Persia through there. It's it's all documented in a similar similar fashion. They may have a different name for it. Right. They might have a different type of philosophy or angle towards it. Right. But it's the basically fact is the same. Been around for yeah. This is a not an uncommon idea. And right. I think with the medical community, what's interesting, and I I found this interesting in the book when they were talking about and. Pretty much anybody that's taken a psych class, uh, basically, and just lightly talk about dreams, the phenomenon of a dream that happens in REM phase uh, of sleep, where there's no motion or muscle activity, and this is sleep paralysis that we were talking about, we tend to have our most emotional dreams during REM sleep. And basically, our body works as a mechanism in REM sleep to stop us from acting out these dreams. The brain keeps us temporarily paralyzed. Mm-hmm. It's the whole point of REM sleep. Right. And so everybody kind of goes through this kind of sleep paralysis while they're sleeping. It's everybody. They're just not conscious of it. So the this paralysis, uh, postural atonia, is as a result of the suppression of the skeletal muscle tone by the Pons and uh, vetromedial medulla, and it's affected by the neurotransmitters and aminobutric acid and glycine, which inhibits the motor neurons in the spinal cord. Now, a serious condition, which you were talking about earlier, is when you start to wake up mentally and become aware while still under REM paralysis is that term sleep paralysis. Right. I've had a couple bouts of these where, and it is creepy. I have it's had the sleep really paralysis, creepy. but I've not seen a shadow figure or the old hag while having a sleep paralysis episode. No, I, I haven't had that, but how it worked with me is I had a reoccurring dream. Me too. Where And I had this reoccurring for at least about probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's the same scene. Nobody ages in it. It's the same exact dream every single time. Mm-hmm. And I'm at this bus stop at, uh, for school. Mm-hmm. This is like elementary, which was weird because I didn't have a bus stop for elementary school. I walked. You walked to school. To yeah. school through my backyard. And I would, but it was the corner of the street where you would basically go for junior high school. Mm-hmm. And, and I had this dream in elementary school. Yeah. Uh, like my last couple of years of elementary school. And there was a bunch of us hanging out there and this guy would come rushing at us mm-hmm. and he was looking right at me and he was huge, just massive. And he was just screaming. And it, the closer and closer he got to me, it was just like, Rah! like this weird mm-hmm. noise. And then right when he get up to me, like pull his fist back and throw it right towards me. And then the worst part was, is I couldn't move. I couldn't do right. anything. And then I would wake up. I learned later in college, like I talked to my professor about this dream because it just it stuck with me for a long right. time. Yeah. And he said, yeah, you're in sleep paralysis because you can't move in your dream, but then you wake up. I wake up and I couldn't move either. Right. 
And I didn't see any kind of shadow figures. Of course, I wasn't looking for any either. Right, I was yeah. just trying not to get my ass kicked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is where, um, you know, specifically regarding shadow people, the medical community specifically says in an, uh, in an article that they published that the paradial lobe functions in se- sensation and perception and integrating sensory inputs to the visual system. The peridial lobe is likely to play a role in the intruder hallucina- uh, hallucinations, especially the superior peridial lobule. Uh, pathophysiology of REM sleep orders is due to flawed brainstem structures. In sleep paralysis, the intruder, uh, a sense of a stranger in the room accompanied by fear, the increased awareness for a sense of threat or danger is due to the brainstem activation of the uh, amygdala. That's very technical in nature, of course, but cutting to the chase, basically what they're saying is, is since your mind is still in a type of sleep state, shadow people are just hallucinations. Right. However, the book I read brought up, I was thinking of it right in the next sentence. It, it basically echoed my same thought. If shadow people are simply just hallucinations out of our dreams, then why don't we ever see other things from our dreams morph into our rooms at night? Mm-hmm. Which makes perfect sense. Why yeah. aren't these forming into cars? Yeah. Why aren't they forming into like a tree mm-hmm. or anything else you would be dreaming about? And they don't. It's the same type human figure. Right. And I found that really profound reading through this because that was my big question through the whole thing. And like halfway through the book, he gets into this whole scientific end of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, yeah, it's, it's really a good question to throw back at the medical community of right. why is it just people with hats or, you know, these humanoid shapes yeah. or this mist, right? You know, you don't, if you're having this awesome dream about a car yeah. And you're racing a car, then how come when you wake up? You don't you, see a car. You don't see room. a shadow car. Food for thought. Yeah. I don't I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like we said in the beginning, there's no answers to this. Correct. Everything is theory with shadow people. Well, which, well, let's be honest, with most of the stuff we discuss, it's oh, yeah. theory. Yeah, the um, supernatural is theory. Yeah. You know, and that's where I think a lot of people of the supernatural community gotta kinda it's crazy to say this, have an open mind because mm-hmm. people in supernatural communities are saying others got to have the supernatural mind to believe or uh, an open mind to believe all this stuff. But the fact is, is like it's hard to make a control of something and then try to replicate something that yeah. only happens once in a while. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this tough issue. Uh, Here's a thought. Uh, research demons, demonology or Satan. Give that a try. Yeah, yeah. See if that works to trigger something. <laughs> so what was the story she got? So a shadow man encounter. Michael W. tells of his close encounter in the fall of 1998. It has many typical characteristics, including that his perceptions happened when he awoke during the night. He had just purchased a home and spent the day painting it before moving in. His friends left for the night, but he decided to sleep in a beanbag chair. Worst idea ever, by the way, sleeping in a beanbag chair, but whatever. I used he, to have one of those. It he was woke, a yellow one. We had one, too. It was a beige color. It was yeah. huge. It was massive. Yeah, we had a big one, too. Um, 
I mean, it was comfy. That was my gaming chair. But I would never think or entertain the notion of sleeping in it. I'd sleep oh, on the floor first. I was drinking. I'd sleep in it all the um, <laughs> He awoke in the middle of the night feeling thirsty and went into the dark kitchen for a glass of water. And that's when I got a distinct feeling that someone was watching me. There at the top of the basement stairs and in front of the light switch, I could distinctly make out the figure of what I automatically assumed was my good friend Larry. He ca- And Michael called out to the figure, which didn't respond. I was still absolutely convinced that I was looking at a living person. My guard went up with the dangerous possibilities of who it could be. He then took out his pocket knife in case he needed to defend himself. Then, in an instant, the shadow moved forward in my direction. I lunged forward with the knife extended outward. I saw the shadow move into my arm as if deliberately trying to impale itself on my weapon, and it kept on coming. He he screamed, and the entity continued straight through his body. I spun around in a circular motion, 180 degrees. I saw the shadow moving at an almost leisurely pace away from me. It proceeded through the large kitchen into the adjoining dining room and finally through the wall that would have led outside if it were a door. He finally turned on the light switch, wide awake now, searched the house, found nothing, and evacuated to his old apartment for the rest of the night. He never had a repeat of that encounter while living in the house. Of note, he said he wondered whether he was thirsty due to the paint fumes A rational explanation would be that those could have been an influence as well as an episode of a hallucination associated with sleep paralysis. He wondered if it might also be associated with the address ending in 666 and the fact that the house was aligned with the magnetic north. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Well, there were some stories that I was reading. uh, I'm not going to go through and play by play because they're all... Pretty much the same, same. you yeah. know, we'll stick with yours. But but there was one story in the book where uh, a, a gentleman was talking about how a shadow entity was moving towards him and it felt like it wanted to get inside of him mm-hmm. and be a part mm-hmm. of him. And that's a, that's a strange feeling in a huge way. Yeah. Because this is where, you know, we'll dive deeper later in the episode today about the different theories of where these come from. So did your book ever mention, uh, like when you're out walking and, uh, and you encounter a shadow person and it attaches to you, there was, and you carry it back with you. Yeah. There was, there was some stories of that. Basically like, He spoke of it a lot where shadow people were very similar to like hauntings and ghosts, Mm -hmm. where it would either be attached to a person, attached to a house. Mm -hmm. Those were the two kind of big constructs that that he would discuss. He did really make firm the point, which was kind of, you know, spoken a bit earlier, where people are just moving through the day and they see these. Mm Mm-hmm. And this kind of takes another jab at the medical community where it's not just sleep. It's, right. Yeah. Well, you know. all right. Let's let's get into it. Yeah. Because, like I said, since we started the podcast and we did the demons and demonology episodes, I've started to see shadow people. During demons and demonology, it was just very much the quick glimpse out of the corner of the eye 
And that's when we got the St. Benedict medals, and then we placed them throughout the house to yeah. ward off the evil uh, spirits and demons. And it was very quiet for a long time. Mm-hmm. And during that time, we also started to attend church again, which I think also helped. Mm-hmm. But after doing the Satan episode, I saw a shadow person outside the bedroom door. Mm-hmm. I was wide awake. I was not asleep. I wasn't yeah. even wasn't even getting. Yeah, I wasn't even entertaining going to sleep. And then I added the Saint Benedict medals to the locations that would protect the path to our bedroom, and of course the bedroom itself. Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily seeing them outside the bedroom door any longer but I was still seeing them. Mm-hmm. I also saw one literally walking across a person's front lawn on the way back home. We were either running errands or we were coming back from church. I literally saw it started out of the corner of my eye, but I watched it walk across a person's front lawn. And I was like, what the hell? What? What gives? Mm-hmm. You know, why am I seeing these things everywhere? Yeah. And it, it literally was everywhere. I never see them when I'm asleep or just waking. I'm always wide awake. And like I said, seeing the one walk across the the person's front lawn was very unnerving. It was very jarring because... Like, you're not supposed to see them there. Like, it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be. In the house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a wall, a ceiling, Mm -hmm. go around a corner, walking across the dude's front lawn. any of these, have they been threatening in any regard other than just your natural, like, flight flight response of it? They've never indicated. Because that's mentioned in this book, too, is that most. And a large majority of most, like he doesn't put a percentage, but I would guess probably if there was a percentage, you're talking like 1% of the actual experiences with shadow beings Mm -hmm. or shadow humanoids, whatever you'll call them, entities. Mm -hmm. We'll stick with that just to keep it simple. But any kind of shadow entity, very benign. Yeah. Very benign. Um, at some points even awkward or almost comical at some mm-hmm. points, but nothing of a actual threat. Very rare. That's the ones with like the glowing red eyes Yeah. or that's the ones where people are trying to get touched. I had to laugh because he, he kept circling him back to this story. It was his first experience when he was a kid mm-hmm. and he was laying in bed and he woke up and on the corner of the bed was this shadow, shadow entity mm-hmm. and it was the... Uh, like the hat man yep. type mm-hmm. entity. I'm pretty sure it was that. And he said what was strange was it was actually going up to him and trying to grab his arms by like his wrists and mm-hmm. like cross him over. And it was funny reading the book because he starts out with how afraid he was at the time, which I'm sure being yeah. a kid, that would be terrifying. However, later on, as he's gotten older, he looked at it as, and he was talking to a medium, mm-hmm. and a medium said, well, maybe it was the shadow entity thought you were dead and was just trying to, like, put your hands across yeah. you and make you Do the peace. process, yeah. You know, 
And so he's buying into that concept and he says, and it doesn't feel, um, you know, he goes, I look at it now. Like it wasn't a threatening thing. Yeah, it wasn't malicious. It was of course benign. you got someone like me reading this book though. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know what? All right. You don't think that's threatening. What if you were to walk into a room with a child sleeping mm-hmm. and you were just staring at them at the front of their bed, at mm-hmm. the foot of their bed. And once they woke up, you grabbed their arms and crossed them, and then yeah, and then the kid says, "Go away," and you go away. That's not threatening. Yeah, you put it in that context. It's pretty fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird shit you're doing. Yeah, you know, and it wouldn't be forgivable as you know as the extent he was going. And that's where I have to laugh from my perspective because I think. I think I have a juju that's out that repels a lot of this stuff because I am, we talked about this in demonology and demons mm-hmm. where the more you give it, the more it'll take. Yeah. And a lot of people believe that with shadow entities mm-hmm. that if you give it, you know, it's basically you're, you're like a battery. Right. And, and they're using you for energy. Right. I believe that's the same thing with ghosts, shadow mm-hmm. entities, demons, all of that. I think, you know, like I was talking with father about it on our last conversation because we were talking about the podcast and right. talking about demons. And it's like, yeah, the demon's not going to come to you as a demon. Right. It's not how it's going to work. The demon's going to come to you as something pretty cool or a neat idea or just something inviting like the form of your mother who passed away right? or the form of yeah. your, your father who passed away. That's how they're going to come because if you're going to, if, if they have their intention to get your soul or to get your, uh, you know, either pull your faith, you know, this is a whole different method right. of looking into it. They're not just going to come as like this horned beast. No, they're not. You know, they're and, not going to tip their hand, so to speak. Yeah, and 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 that's where I had to. I, I giggled while I was reading it, uh, just how he's done this one eighty. Yeah, and turned from being very scared, and it was a traumatic experience to well, it was just innocent and peaceful, and you know all that and. Yeah, I'm going to say while it never appears malicious, I very much get the impression that it's there to unnerve and jar and Could be. make you aware of its presence to probably upset you emotionally so that it can feed off of it. But I... I like, if I see a ghost, I'm fine with it most of the time. Mm-hmm. And there are those one-offs where I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're not cool. No, well, I think I'm, not, the- I'm not down with that. And I'm not down with the shadow figures. Most people aren't. And I think what it derives from is this. It's simple fear 101. Mm-hmm. The reason you get fear is because as a person, regardless of your age and position in life, if you're around something that you have zero context with, mm-hmm. you don't, like if you look at it and you just don't know what it is, mm-hmm. you don't know what it, you just don't know nothing. It's a void. Right. You know, because you could, like you, you look at a spider 
you know what a spider is. Yeah. Now you could be afraid of it, but it's something that you've put into your head. Right. You still know it's a spider. But you still know it's a spider. And you know that that spider can't hurt you. Right. Unless it's, it's just a black widow. It's just no, but it's just on the floor. Like if right. you're on the floor and you're wearing like today at work, there is this nasty bug because we get stuff from all over the place. Right. So who knows where the hell this spider came from? It had crazy colors on it and all that stuff. I just stepped on it with my sneaker. Mm-hmm. Game over. It's yeah. done. Now, now the thing is, is even if you had a fear of spiders, you have that fear for some sort of reason. Right. But major fear, like unearthing fear, like that Mm -hmm. just like can't leave you is because you have no control Mm -hmm. over the situation. You have no idea what it is you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. We kind of covered this with aliens. Yeah. Where there's this, this natural fear because it's unknown. Right. And unknown things generally generate fear. And right. that's buried so deep in our DNA right. for and our it's, survival. It's also if, not supposed to be there. Yeah, but I mean, it's just even if yeah. you're walking in the woods and you mm-hmm. see something and you don't know what it is, right. your first instinct is fear. Right. And I'll give you a great example. Say we were to go on a nature walk mm-hmm. and you had, say, someone like me and your brother who had been out in the woods a ton. Mm-hmm. And then you had somebody who came up from New York City who's never been in, in the, the woods, woods yeah. ever. The The most woods they ever went into was like Central Park. Mm-hmm. Now, we would be walking up the same trail, and if there was a little scurry of a squirrel or something right. on some leaves, and I know this from experience with inner city folks that just, what the hell was that? Yeah, It's instant, like, tense. What yeah. the hell was that? And And that's where I'm getting at with, like, these shadow entities, somebody just looks at it, it, that's your natural DNA. Like, you can't fight that. That's your yeah. flight or flight type of reaction. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where you have these folks, like the author of the book that I read, where he's had many of these encounters, and he talks yeah. about them over and over. And the one thing I can see in common is, is he's seeking them. Yeah. And if you seek it, you're going to find it. This gets back to what we were talking about right. in demons and demonology. I I think if you're going to look for ghosts, you're going to find ghosts. Yeah. If you're looking for shadow entities, you're going to find shadow entities. If you're looking for herpes, you're going to find herpes. <laughs> it's just, it's inevitable. Nobody goes looking for herpes. It's inevitable. And, right. and, and then you have those people that say, well, that's the laws of attraction and this and that. But yeah. I just... You could spin your name, you, you know, or spin the verbiage on that any way you want. But I think if you're focused on doing a certain thing, like if you're focused on just making money, you're going to make money. Yeah. You might not make a ton of it. You might not make whatever, but you're going to make it because you're putting your energy into right. that. But if you're putting your energy and want to just sit at home and do nothing all day, you're going to do that. Mm-hmm but you're also going to miss out on all of these other things. Right. And I think that's the big problem with ghost hunting today, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is because they're going there looking for it. They're right. looking for specific things. And I would I read in the book, he was going on these uh, investigations with friends of his to these spots that saw shadow people, and he was going there specifically looking for shadow people. Mm-hmm. As much as he wanted to talk about how he was a technical, scientific type of person it's just 
you're going there looking for something. I, I said it before on the earlier episodes. I would love to just set up a house right. that has no history of it all and create this backstory on the internet of the that house being haunted, yeah. that there was somebody who hung themselves in the basement, and and then get these mediums in there, get all these people investigating, the ghost hunters, the ghost investigators, get them in there with their you know, all their gear and all that stuff and see if they can actually manifest right. this thing. Cause that right there would answer a ton. Yeah. That's the Tulpa effect. Yeah. Or the, um, the golem effect mm-hmm. and, and things like that. That's, and that's where I think this would give a little more substance to talk about than these things just happening to people. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I'm from the side of the fence where I think, People are possibly creating this. And if that's the if that's the key, then that opens up the whole dynamic of some of the conversations they have with this stuff. Because you have people that say it's demons. Mm-hmm. We'll just kind of dive into this right now, unless you want to go in a different direction. And I can revisit this later. But Why don't we revisit this after okay. I finish? Yeah. It's still very jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm... To be clear, I'm I'm actually doing everything I possibly can to prevent seeing them. Seeing the shadow person walk across the lawn in the broad daylight yeah. was for me the last straw. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is and the first thing I thought of is um Dean Coons has a, a book series called Odd Thomas. Yeah. And Odd Thomas can see ghosts, and he can see shadow people that he calls Bodocs. However, his Bodocs only appear during times of death and disaster. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing that popped in my head was the Odd Thomas series. And I was like, seriously? I do not want to be Odd Thomas. I I don't... I'm not, I'm not signing up for this. See, but that's where I get into... See, this is where you and I branch off literally 180 split on things. Because, like, to me, my warning signs on that whole statement when, that I just heard you say that, it's a fictional character. And it you're comparing fictional- yourself to, you're comparing yourself and your experiences to a fictional character. And that was actually brought up in the book that I read that, you know, he actually blamed, and I think rightfully so, it's just, a, it's, it's just the way it is. But he blamed Hollywood for a lot of this stuff with shadow people and shadow entities mm-hmm. because nobody was really talking about shadow entities until the movie started pumping them out. Mm-hmm. And then once they started pumping them out, then everybody's, oh, I see this, I see that. And of course, that might just give somebody permission. You know, like that was the point of doing this podcast. Right. You know, we were hoping that other people would just at least feel, oh, okay, Jen's going through this. Right. There's other people that are going through this. So I don't feel totally isolated on this. I don't feel like I'm going crazy. Right. And that could be but a general thing is you do feel like you're going crazy. Cause you're mm-hmm. like, did I just see that? Yeah. There's no logical reason why I should have seen that. Mm-hmm. Why am I seeing that? Am yeah. I even supposed to be seeing that? Like what the hell? It's, well, it's not, it's not cool. And yeah, it did remind me of a fictional character, but I my whole thing was, 
I don't want to be seeing them. Yeah. I don't want to have that as my. Well, but this goes back to the discussion we were talking about with the Coronado incident where you have these abductions that happen Mm -hmm. to people and there there's three stages of it. There's the first part of it, the identification and holy fuck, this is happening. Then there's a second stage where it's, why is this happening? Yeah. And then there's the third stage where it's just acceptance. It's happening. Yeah. And it's not for any other reason that they could muster with. I think you're in stage two right now. And these stages came from me. This isn't some documented thing, but, but it's kind of any kind of unknown thing that is happening, you know, whether it be depression or anything else, I think it really is those types of three. Number one, you have the identification part that it's happening. Two, you ask why the hell it's happening. Mm -hmm. And three, you just say, well, this is life. Yeah. So then you've got to do an assessment in step three where you say, is this harming me? Right. And in your case, doesn't sound like they're harming you. No. But so, I'm a, I also don't want it to escalate into the future where that is the whole point. To, you know, get me to the point where I'm just accepting it mm-hmm. and then it can do what it's actually there to do. Like, I, I, it's not malicious mm-hmm. now. But I get the impression that the the potential is no, there. No, but that's the unknown bit of it where you're going to let your mind race on that stuff and you're going to let your mind go to work on that. Like I said, like comparing yourself to a fictional character in a book. Mm-hmm. Now, the book that I read through here, like I said, pretty much every single example and, and the ones he was even talking about, they're not malicious. They're mm-hmm. just... They're just there. And that's the the million dollar question is why are they there? And no one knows. And this gets to where I was talking about earlier. Like you have some that say they're demons, Mm -hmm. but you start constructing that out. And it's like, well, what's a demon? A demon's a fallen angel. Right. So is that really something to consider? I don't know. Big question mark. Now, the theory that the author had of the book which was interesting. And again, just a different take on it. Now he believes that they're interdimensional beings. And this is a popular idea for a lot of people. And the incident that he was talking about, he was at a restaurant and he saw what he calls a shadow wisp, which is just like the, the mist, the mist dart across the kitchen and him and everyone else there heard it bang into this, uh, like swinging metal door, mm-hmm. but the door didn't move at all. It remained complete, uh, like completely uh, stationary. Right. Those three things together, I'm going to just quote what he, what he said here. Those three things together in our conventional world don't make any sense at all. But in a universe with multiple dimensions and planes of existence, it's completely possible. Here's what I think happened. Some sort of entity was in that kitchen when I walked in. And it was resonating as just a vague bit of a shadow. When I walked in and it saw me, I scared it and it took off running through the door. Now, again, there's 8 million assumptions in this whole thing. On the shadows plane of existence, that flimsy metal door blew wide open as it ran away from me. 
Yet I couldn't see that happen because the door remained stationary on my plane of existence. Yet sound is on a different wavelength and has its own frequency. So perhaps that sound of the door being slammed into and its vibration resonated across both dimensions. While I couldn't see what actually happened on the shadow's plane of existence, I could certainly hear it. These last two paragraphs are really the crux of this entire book. Please take a moment to carefully read those again and walk through the, the moment. What I experienced and what the shadow person experienced in that moment happened in multiple dim- dimensions. It happened on two different planes of existence that were overlapping each other for a short period of time. I stood shocked for a brief moment. The shadow entity scared, ran off, and everyone heard the crash of the metal door. A lot of things happen in the span of about three seconds, but those three seconds have made a world of difference in the way I viewed the supernatural or natural world ever since. Now, the tough part I have with just physics in general is it's all theory. It's all mathematical models, and I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah. They'll sit there and they'll say, oh, yeah, no, there's this string theory and there's this and that. And it's just, it's all mathematical models. Mm-hmm. It's it's best guess stuff at best. Mm-hmm. And like interdimension stuff. Everybody wants to talk about interdimensions. But again, it's a mathematical model. Right. That's it. Right. The math looks good on paper. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say how it'll work in there. It's You and I were talking when I saw on Facebook, they were talking about that that planet that's in the next star system. Right. And they're getting all excited about it because it's, uh, you know, it's very similar to earth. Mm-hmm. Looks like earth has a lot of the same characteristics, characteristics of earth. Big problem is, is it's 90 below zero. Yeah. Which is kind of a problem. Yeah. So just because it looks like earth. Yeah. doesn't mean it is. Earth. But then here's the other problem. And this is the biggest problem that no one really gets because of the math. Is it? It's like two and a half million light years away, or something like that. I ended up doing the math on it for us to go double the speed, the double the fastest speed that we've gone in space. Mm-hmm. It would take sixty five hundred years to get there. Right. It's the huge problem with all of this. Right. This whole thing going out into space and going out into doing things. People don't get how fucking big. <laughs> yeah. This space is. And so when you get into interdimension stuff, you're getting into crazier math. Exactly. Because like yeah. we're just talking about a planet now that's 6,500 years away going twice the speed. Yeah. Top speed we've ever done in space. It's like 40,000 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Basically. The, the math I did for the 6,500 uh, years, it was to go 40,000 miles an hour. And people say, oh, well, we could get there at some point. That's taking off and getting to 40,000 miles an hour. That's cruising at 40,000 miles an hour for yeah. 6,500 years. Yeah. And then there's trying to figure out how to stop. Mm-hmm. It's like we've only been here uh, basically like in the written context of the world for two 2,000 years, mm-hmm. 3,000 years. That's half of the distance to get to that. Uh, and, and people don't think about that. So the interdimensional stuff, this is where I have a problem with it, is it's very, very mathematic modeled. I think personally, and of course I've had no experience with any of this, but everything I read, 
everyone says, if they pray, and I know some people are going to raise their head and go, here we go. But if they pray, uh, there was another one that said, you know, of the Catholic faith, if you say Jesus, 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 three times, and it goes away for them. Mm-hmm. And even the author brings this up because yeah. he's uh, of a religious background. And he says, every time I pray, they go away. Every time. And, and that says something to me. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what does it say to a certain degree? I have no idea. But if I were to venture a guess, I think it could be all of these at the same time. If you want to talk about an interdimensional being, how about purgatory? Yeah. Are these souls that are in purgatory? Possibly. Now, for me, working my mind around, and this was just going through the book, and this was my, it's my half-cock theory, because that's why I wanted to bring it up in the beginning. This is all theory. Right. Everybody that talks about this, it's all theory. There's nothing concrete. But if you're in purgatory, you can't get out of purgatory from a religious perspective. Somebody has to pray for you. Somebody yeah, has to. You have to pray your, you have to be prayed out. You have to be prayed out by someone else. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if these shadow beings and these shadow entities are trying to reach people in desperation for prayer to get out of purgatory. It's possible. That's where I was looking at it as, because I always try to come up with a theory that kind of satisfies all parameters. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I kind of thought of it with. It's like, okay, a lot of people pray and it seems like prayer gets them out of this person's existence mm-hmm. and, you know, and gets the shadow entity away from them. However, the interdimensional talk that could work on a purgatory level mm-hmm. kind of satisfies all, like I said, it satisfies all the parameters and discussions. Right. This is where, and I'll kind of wrap my end up right here now, but this is where the, the ghost hunting and all that stuff bothers me. They want to go there and record it, but they have no interest. And of course the shows are only half hour, all that. You don't know what goes on. Right. Cause they're not just there for a half hour. They're there no. for days yeah. and they're just getting a half hour of footage. But I would like to see in the future is groups try to get rid of those entities there. Right. Because me being more of a religious person in this nature, when I see something like that, it's like, it's even the shadow beings. Like it's a desperate attempt to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And some might be frustrated and going mad and doing crazy things, which shows that. And the the actual quest to, because I, I say a prayer every, every time I pray, I pray that God and Jesus has mercy on all our souls and that we can be granted forgiveness for our sins. That's everybody. Well, in and my that's, prayers, that's a helpful prayer for me. I'm just saying that's, yeah. that's what helps me. I say that multiple times in a day. Mm-hmm. It's not towards one person. It's not towards me. It's just in general. And I and I toss it out there in the hopes that that higher force, God, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, whoever, will distribute that prayer right. accordingly. Right. And that's what I think kind of helps me a lot mm-hmm. in that regard. And like I said, I don't feed... I try not to feed, feed, I try not to feed into it. 
I don't know. Yeah. All it's, I know is mine appear whenever they freaking want, and yeah. I'm not a fan of it. And when we went on vacation, I bought a couple spell candles from Omen mm-hmm. in Salem, Massachusetts. One was banished negativity. The other was a protection shield. Upon returning home from vacation, I did burn the banished negativity spell candle until it was completely burned out over the course of two days. And since its completion, it's been very uneventful here. Yeah. I still have the protection shield spell candle should it start to recur. And I'm not sure if it was the candle or simply I was more relaxed and calm and thus it couldn't feed off my nervousness and fear because those things were no longer present. Whatever the reason, I'm grateful they've moved on and I sincerely hope I've, I never see them again. I am also praying and have been praying even while this was happening to St. Joseph to, you know, help those lost souls in purgatory. I have always said a prayer for those who don't have anyone left to pray for them, either because there's no more family left or they've just been forgotten to time. Yeah, yeah. I have always been praying for those souls. I've never not. Well, and I think what you brought up earlier is like a great example of what I think is a good use of a talisman, mm-hmm. you know, cause the way I always kind of perceived it with talisman with people is if it works for you, then it works. Mm-hmm. You know, I might look at it as yeah. uh, it's just a stupid rock, right? but, but if it works for you or if it works for someone else, mm-hmm. who am I to take that away from you? Mm-hmm. I think that's where a, a talisman or, or some sort of object like that, Whatever provides the comfort. The comfort. and yeah. yeah. I think the the problem that most people will get into is if they start worshiping that type of talisman or object. Right. And, and you turn and it into an to, idol. Yes. Well, not as much as an idol, but well, just Well, that's what a, happens when you... A major source of power. Right. But like, when you're praying to a talisman or you're praying to something or you're you're putting your intent and purpose into it... You are idolizing it. You are you are making it essentially a false god. Yeah, and but that's where that's where I'm trying to paint like the, yeah. the line in between. Like take a rosary, for example. I carry a rosary in my pocket all the time. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I go. Whether it's my pajamas now or right, jeans yes. at work or whatever. And I was talking with father about this. And it's like like when you pray the rosary, you don't pray to the rosary. The no. rosary is a reminder that you pray and the rosary is a reminder of how you pray. Right. And I think that's the same thing with objects like stones mm-hmm. and things like that. It's a reminder for you to be calm. Right. It's a reminder for you to find peace in your life. Right. But you, I think there's a dangerous point where you start set, you know, when you start picking up the stone and saying, save me, save me. Yeah. Like that's, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, if you pick it up and just, okay, this is a reminder that I have to take a couple deep breaths. I have mm-hmm. to clear my head. I have to put my feet on the ground, just center, mm-hmm. you know, it's like yoga that you do in the morning. Right. You do that basically to just center yourself. Yes. And I think, 
when I, you know, like going to Salem and looking at all that stuff, that's where like I see that fine line mm-hmm. where, and like I said, the power of a talisman I think is great for people that it works for. Right. But the moment you start putting more stock into that, that is necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, the original point of that talisman was, is just to remind you. Right. That you need to be in this mindset or this mind frame. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think this will always be theory. Right. It always has been. Yeah. You know, Until this till science gets up the balls to actually I don't think I don't think they'll be able to do anything with it. I really don't. Unless they already know now, you yeah. know, and they're just not saying anything. And that gets back to what we've talked about before where no one could keep a secret like that. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. No. And I think that's where people really got to start thinking about, like, because there's the whole astral travelers and all that right. type of stuff. And I mean, the NSA did dabble in that type of stuff. But the fact is, is like that secret wouldn't last for long, especially something that big, you know, yeah. where you'd have remote viewers or astral travelers. Because there was people that say that these shadow people are time travelers and that they're, you know, just kind of these blips. And again, it gets into the interdimensional stuff. Mm-hmm. But. I found the most profound thing about it. And you and I talk about ghosts. We talk about vampires. We talk about werewolves. We talk about witches. Mm -hmm. We talk about shadow men at this Mm -hmm. point. And we're going to talk about more things coming up in the near future. They all have this one thing in common. They've been talked about for thousands of years. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's written. It's, it's written either in glyphs. Or the written word. Yeah. It's it's been it's been carried around time after time after time. And a lot of them are even biblical of biblical yeah. times and pre-biblical times if you're into that type of uh historical record. But the fact is is no one has ever had a grasp on this. We know nothing no. more than the Egyptians did. No. As far as shadow men go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the expectation logically for the next 2,000 years, 3,000 years. Uh, Even as much as technology is rolling up and ramping up, I just don't see how it's going to get any different. And and that's where I think the ones, and I I say this not to scare the people that are going through this, but it gets back to that three-stage thing I was talking about where, all right, you identify it's happening. Then you're in this middle part where you're like, why the fuck is this happening? Mm -hmm. And then there's that third part where it's just like, well, you know what? It's happening. Right. And I'm here. I'm alive. I have my life. I have all this around me. And I think if you're looking for a sign of strength to get to that third step, it's the alien abductees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The alien abductees, there's nothing safe for them. No. They can literally be driving down a freeway. They can be in the middle of the day time. and be taken yeah. anytime and have anything done with them. Mm-hmm. And they're just at a point where they're like, well, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And, uh, and I think at least the shadow men is different where it's a lot more benign than getting abducted. I think it's just, you know, you, you're, you're splicing next to this being and that's it. Yeah. That's, uh, so, I mean, at least you can say, well, at least I'm not abducted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're going through it and you happen to have my contact information as someone who's gone through it, I'm here. Yeah. Well, and like I said, uh, 
you know, the only person who has access to OTH at seriouslydecent.com is me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we will have a hundred percent discretion and, and confidentiality with anybody that would want to send us yeah. something that if you just want to tell the story to get it out, sometimes just writing that yeah, story out is, just getting it out is, is healthy for you to mm-hmm. just, you know, get it out and, and, and move on and move into some yeah. sort of uh, peace and it'll help others in that regard. With that being said, mm-hmm. episode 51 next week, Bigfoot. Yeah. You know what? I don't even care if any of you listen to this episode, but I have been pushing for Bigfoot all along. And whether you want to hear it or not, you're getting the Bigfoot theory <laughs> because this shit is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a running theory. No, you save it for the episode. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just putting it in context. We've had a running theory with Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been together how long? 13 years. 13 years for 12, 11 yeah. to 12 of those years. We've had this theory. Yeah, we have. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying. Yeah. No, I have a lot of theories. I'm a big Bigfoot fan. Huge Bigfoot fan. Ever since I was a little kid, I was just totally mystified and enamored with the idea of like a Sasquatch Bigfoot. Was it Harry and the Hendersons or was it before then? No, it was actually, uh, we'll talk about that at the podcast because it gets into an actual like sighting and all that. I didn't have it. Got it. But it was a sighting that I learned of. Cool. And that's what got me into Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of spiraled all over the place from there. Cool. But it's something cool. I've always kind of just had a a very big fascination with my whole life. Yeah. I, I'll go from basically like six, seven years old. Cool. To up. Yeah. It's uh can't remember how old I was when I got into Bigfoot. Yeah, I was in elementary school. I know that. Yeah, much. I was in elementary school. I like I couldn't tell you what grade I was in mm-hmm. or none of those deets. Yeah. Nope. So with that being said, yeah. Uh we hope everyone had a great holiday. Yeah. For Thanksgiving. I hope you ate all the things. Yep. And um, we look forward to going through these next two episodes to roll out the uh, the one year. The hun- the uh, the full the full season. The full season. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we'll move into season two mm-hmm. at the end of uh, December. Yep. And uh, it's definitely made me and I'm sure you too, Jen, pretty like shocked as to where the podcast is at this point yeah i i can't even fathom how the podcast is where it is but more importantly i can't get over how much i've just learned on the journey yeah throughout the podcast yeah no it's for me it's been a lot of different Things like I've learned so much stuff. Yeah. Going there have through it. There been and it's, some really big highs and there have been some <laughs> really big lows. Like shadow entities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and this stuff sticks with us. And, you know, that's the thing is we try to pack in 
as much as we can in a in a loose type way for an yeah. hour. Yeah. But you know, we read a lot of material. There's a lot of stuff that hits quote unquote the cutting floor, so to mm-hmm. speak. But I learned a lot about making a podcast because I had no idea how to make one when we started this. No. It was a hundred percent clueless. We were clueless on how we were gonna model the show, what we were doing. We just wanted to talk about this stuff and then eventually it's just weird during the course of the year how much it's taken shape. Yeah. How much it's taken form. And what's really strange is all of you that listen, I just still can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. We're in- I see, I I can't think about it. So I just don't <laughs> Yeah. No. I just I'm just focused on what are we doing next? Yeah. But it's a it's amazing how much it's spread throughout the states. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then the globe is strange because we're basically being routinely listened to on a monthly basis in over 12 different countries. And it's just that's cool. And it's just weird saying that. Yeah, it really is. Everybody uh, in the States, everyone abroad. Thank you so much for tuning into us. And uh, and we're going to keep doing this. Yeah, we're not going to stop. We just wrote down a whole year's worth for season two yeah next year yep yeah we have a whole year's worth that's not counting any suggestions you guys might have well and what we're going to do and like i said we're going to start talking about it at the end of this month and and more in december is uh i'm going to figure out a way to where we can pull the listeners and you guys can direct the show yeah, where the content you, want, the you would content. like to have. So we're we're trying to figure out the best way to do that right now off the top of my head. And what I've been thinking of lately is getting like a newsletter uh, in the form of basically on the website, you could register for the newsletter by submitting your email. And we're only going to, we're not going to inundate you like everyone else. Yeah. Just a weekly newsletter email of how the show's doing how creative director Dean's doing, how HR Mystique, the cat is doing, um, but also do a survey where we'll give you a list of topics and you select which yeah, ones you, you want to do. Choose. And this could be, I don't really know of others that are doing this on a non-Patreon level. Yeah, you know, no. There's people that I know. are doing it through Patreon and you got to charge money. But I don't know many people that are doing it for, like, just the whole audience. Yeah. And and that's where we're really going to sway or try to sway you to give up your email. Right. Um, and like I said, we'll, we'll have it concreted out towards we'll the end of the there. year. But we would really love to have the whole listening community direct the show. Yeah. And, and move the show into the direction that they want. And what we're thinking is, is just giving you a list of topics and you would pick your top three mm-hmm. or top four. Mm-hmm. And if you pick the top four, we'll see what the popular ones are and that'll direct the month. Right. And then basically month by month. You guys can help. You guys pick. can help to di- pick and direct the show uh, to where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, rule number one. No Ouija boards. Rule number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Six. 
No apathy. You need to act physically, or you need to do some sort of act to help enact change in the world. I agree. We have to. Yes. We can't sit back anymore. No. And um, again, thanks for, for tuning in to us. We love you so much. We do. And um, we hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And make good choices. Take care.